Well, hello, everyone. You're listening to Renaissance Online Radio. You can find us at renaissanceonlineradio.com. This is being recorded on December 9, 2015. And you note that I refer to my Faraday cage. Most of you don't know what a Faraday cage is. Basically, the idea is it's a box that is relatively free of external electromagnetic energy. How is that useful? Well, if you're into certain areas of science research, then if you're doing very uh, tight tolerance electronic testing, uh, electrochemical experiments, things of that nature, it is helpful to exclude the noisy uh, electromagnetic environment, meaning radio waves, things of that nature. The more... uh, how should we say, prepper side of the discussion refers to a Faraday cage as a box in which you keep items that you want to protect from uh, an electromagnetic pulse. If you've read the book One Second After, you already are familiar with this topic. For those of you who have not, it's uh, possibly one of the scariest of um, attack scenarios, you might say, um, of attacks that can be taken against the United States or any relatively technologically dependent society such as ours. The idea of an electromagnetic pulse weapon is usually thought of as a nuclear explosion in the high atmosphere over 50 to 200,000 feet, leading to a sudden pulse of electromagnetic energy that can cause widespread damage to electrical and electronic items. This was first recognized shortly after we came up with this idea of a nuclear bomb uh, and was experimented with extensively in the late 40s, early 50s. Uh, especially, well, there were there are many examples of the tests that were done, but uh, Starfish Prime is one of the most interesting ones. It was, if I recall, this is off the cuff, but if I recall, it was a nuclear explosion at about 60 kilometers of, um, of uh, altitude, um, Relatively low-yield weapon compared to some of the uh, mega bombs that we have uh, in the arsenal today. And uh, it was, as I recall, about 600, between 600 and 800 uh, miles off the coast of Honolulu, Hawaii. And the resulting electromagnetic pulse caused some cars to uh, stop running because it fused the points in their ignition systems. It took out a lot of streetlights in Honolulu. Now, understand this is back before the advent of the transistor, or at least its introduction into uh, the modern American lexicon. Um, The normal technology at that time was vacuum tube technology, which is running at a much higher uh, internal voltage and is relatively resistant to electromagnetic pulses, and we had cars with no electronics failing. Now, let's uh, apply that to today. 
where we have cars that run on computers that uh, have no effective EMP shielding on them. And imagine what would happen if you are driving down the road and somewhere in the you know local thousand mile area at a fairly high altitude, some rogue entity or you know, Soviet, yeah, I shouldn't say Soviet Union, uh, Russia decides to uh, fire off a nuke. Your car stops, my car stops, well, depending on which car I'm driving. Um, most every car on the road stops, uh, especially those with electronic ignition or electronic computer control. Uh, that also includes diesels of the modern technologies. Uh, older diesels, older uh, gasoline automobiles would not uh, necessarily fail, although they could. What else uh, do we have that uh, is electronic? Well, almost everything that you can think of. Your iPad is dead. Your phone is dead. Uh, the telephone in the house is dead. The computer in the house is dead. Uh, more importantly, even than, than the small items, uh, the electronic grid comes down, and it comes down instantaneously, no warning, and the ability to bring it back up doesn't exist uh, when the amount of damage that is possible in uh, an EMP attack uh, occurs uh, in the long-line uh, transmission systems. Most, uh, most uh, transformers and substations would fail, and they would fail from catastrophic um, arcing within the inside of the transformers, not recoverable. You'd have to replace each transformer, and that would be many, if not most, transformers. Um, the ability to generate electricity would be no longer central. There would not be a way to to generate, much less transmit electricity from the generating stations out. Now, this is this is a well documented possibility. And if you get online and read up on EMPs and uh, an effect known as the Compton effect, you can learn quite a bit about it. My point in bringing it up tonight was just to explain my uh, term Faraday cage. Uh, I have a shipping container that I've turned into an office, and it serves as a perfectly good Faraday cage, uh, which, I don't know, the, the prepper in me enjoys that, and I don't take it terribly seriously, but I'll guarantee you anything that is in here and not plugged in, if it can get power, will still work in the event of an EMP. During our first podcast, I opened myself up to the opportunity to answer questions, uh, inviting listeners to email or otherwise send me their uh, questions or suggestions for topics to talk about. Our first, one, our first one comes from my friend Phil, who asks, Why can doctors be left to choose how much Adderall, Avenza, and Oxycodone their patients can have, but it requires a politician and acts of congressional dark magics? to determine whether a patient can have cannabis or derivatives. Thank you, Phil, for that question. I guess to start to approach this question, I would like to first ask, who owns your body? Do you own your own body? Do I own my own body? Or are our bodies owned by some other entity? Now, 
in uh, the early days of our nation and for many centuries prior, it was possible to own another's body. But we fought a war over that. And uh, the conclusion of that war was, no, in America, it is not acceptable to own another person's body. I'm good with that. I'm very good with that. Now, the problem arises in what does it mean if we own our own bodies? What does it mean if I own my own body? Now, there are those with uh, an approach to this from a religious perspective that will say, no, in fact, uh, my chosen deity owns my body. Uh, For example, in Christianity, uh, the body is the temple of the the Lord. Uh, Therefore, from that perspective, it makes it makes sense that those particular people feel that they do not own their own bodies. However, since we are not a nation with a state religion, thankfully, uh, we come at this. I come at this from a much more secular viewpoint in the determination of who owns whose body. As an adult, I cannot find a reason why I cannot. Now, there are very good reasons, but any legal reason why I cannot put into my body any molecule that I choose. This is not a discussion of wisdom. This is not a discussion of, is it a good idea? This is a discussion of, is it my legal right as owner of my own body to put into it the molecules I choose. If it is not, why not? At this point in our country's history, it is not legal to consume, to own, to consume, to sell, etc., any one of a large number of molecules, some controlled, uh, meaning when I say that I'm referring to Uh, drugs that can be prescribed by a physician, and some are simply not allowed. For example, um, heroin. Uh, It's a Schedule 1. There's a a long list of what is in each particular schedule. Schedule 1s are simply, eh, you can't be licensed to take them. They're just not legal. But uh, it's it's not a question of, is it good for society? It's easy to argue that some drugs are very much not good for society. However, I could make that same argument for alcohol, and I do on a regular basis. In my practice, I take care of patients routinely who are my patients solely because of their consumption of ethyl alcohol. Now, I cannot say that about um, pot, about marijuana. I have never, and I've been, I've been taking care of patients for 24 years now, and I cannot think of one patient who was my patient solely because they consumed cannabis. My own personal philosophy on any mind-altering substances is a bad idea. I've always argued that my only real advantage in life was my uh, brain, and I treat it as though I can't afford to lose any of its cells. But that's just my take on it. As a lover of liberty, 
I believe that even though I consider the use of any mind-altering substance to be a bad idea, I also believe that prohibiting the use of any particular substance by an adult is a bad idea. And we argue about uh, legalization, legalization of a lot of things, drugs, uh, carrying of weapons, and there are already laws against the use, the misuse, the abuse of weapons and of drugs. Now, there's been a law against the importation and selling and consumption of drugs for, well, my entire lifetime and uh, several lifetimes prior to that. But uh, oddly enough, those laws haven't stopped it. They've just made it more profitable because the supply has been limited and competition has been outlawed. So it's not really been shown to be effective to outlaw things. There's a lot more that can be said on this topic. It's not really something that I've put much thought into beyond the general feeling that it's not the government's business to tell me what to do, and that includes what I put into my body, as long as it does not affect those around me. And, of course, affecting those around me is an area of uh, intense discussion. As a parent, I feel that the... uh, effects of any such thing on the child is reason enough not to do it. And what comes to mind immediately when I say that is smoking. As a, uh, as a doctor who takes care of kids on an almost daily basis, who are often my patients because they have uh, not been well taken care of by their parents or whoever has uh, been responsible for taking care of them, uh, I find it very frustrating to be running into Um, kids that smell like smoke. And often those who take care of them assure me that they only smoke outside. Sadly, these kids are at an increased risk of certain complications such as laryngospasm as they're waking up because the child's airway is not designed to be exposed to smoke and therefore is constantly irritated and is hypersensitive to any, uh, any irritation that might be added because of our anesthesia. What that leads to is a kid who stops breathing and whose oxygen level can drop to dangerous levels before we can break the spasm and get them breathing again. And this is completely preventable by not smoking around your child. But I've gone off on an an anesthesia tangent, and I apologize. One of the uh, things that we've seen in the news in the past couple of days is the ongoing argument about immigrants into our country, and specifically after the shooting in in, um, San Bernardino, California, uh, whether or not uh, we are able to stop ISIS from attacking us on our shores, on our, uh, within our country. I would argue that at this point we have let the horse out of the barn and we will have more attacks no matter what we do. The 
lack of leadership from Washington has certainly exposed us to a uh, desire to hear words like what we hear coming out of uh, Donald Trump's mouth right now and the resulting arguments. I've been, uh, how should we say, uh, roped into a few of them myself, or uh, some would argue I jumped willingly, which is probably more accurate. It's a tiresome argument, though, because, uh, well, most of the argument that is actually going on is not about what he said, but about what it could certainly lead to, which uh, would be you know, things like what uh, Jimmy Carter did and what uh, FDR did uh, when our nation was uh, under attack uh, under their administrations. Uh, FDR, of course, put uh, Japanese and German people in the U.S., who, who were in the U.S. legally, into internment camps for the, for the duration of the war. And uh, Jimmy Carter prohibited immigrants from coming to the United States from Iran during that time. My suspicion, as far as Trump's choice of words and choice of statements to make in uh, the past few days, goes back to his skills as a negotiator. And a concept that I was exposed to uh, a few years ago is something known as the Overton Window. And uh, in an audio podcast, it's a little bit hard to describe. It's much easier if I had a, uh, an ability to give you a visual representation. But the idea is you can put ideas on a spectrum, on a scale. And typically um, in our everyday life, we deal with things that are in a narrow band of that scale where things that are off the ends of the scale we just don't deal with and would never consider. Uh, for example, we would uh, we would certainly discuss whether or not to live in a small house or a big house, but we probably wouldn't consider living in a, uh, I don't know, a cave or in uh, a gigantic house because those are outside of our norms. So to apply that to politics, about uh, seven or eight years ago, there were a few people yelling for socialized medicine, but most people would not really be comfortable with the idea of the federal government uh, paying for every aspect and controlling every aspect of our health care. Along comes the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, and now... We're not talking about whether the government should, the government does, to a, to a degree. Now we're not talking about whether we should or whether we shouldn't. Now we're talking about whether the government should pay for all of it or just part of it. The argument now has shifted. We have moved normal. The window has shifted, you might say. So let's apply that to Trump. Now, We've got one side of the argument that says we need open borders. We need open immigration. In fact, we have no business having borders whatsoever. We are so rich only because we have hoarded the profits from our plunder of, uh, of other nations to ourselves, and therefore wealth is unequally distributed throughout the world. That should be remedied by opening our borders and letting anyone in. That's one side. Now, if we wanted to be rational and reasonable, 
we might say, well, that's that doesn't work. Let's talk about finding a uh, finding a middle ground. Except that if if one side is arguing from a full extreme, and the other side just is trying to pull back to the middle ground, you're going to negotiate to somewhere halfway in between if it's a if it's a reasonable negotiation. Now along comes Trump, and he says, let's close the borders to any one of these of the religious group that is associated with most of our terrorist attacks. Now that's an extreme position, but it's extreme on the other side. Now my suspicion is that what he is doing is arguing from that side so that we can negotiate a point in the middle. However, he has at that same time put himself in a box of being seen as as hate-filled, etc. And there are those unstable individuals out there who are taking his words and um, using them to back their own positions of, um, I, I, I don't enjoy using the word hate, but unfortunately it probably does apply at times in this argument. So what we end up with is uh, some people saying Trump's right and some people saying Trump is wrong because it could lead to things that Trump has never suggested. And then we get some people who have heard those arguments and they take it to, well, Trump said that we need to, uh, we need to have intern, internment camps and kick people out of the country who are Muslim. And, well, he has not said that as far as I know. And if he did, I think it would be pretty well documented. Now, again, I am not a Trump supporter. I do not feel that he would be a good president. However, I think that... The arguments that we are hearing are really not good faith arguments on both sides um, at this point. Enough about politics. I've had a number of other requests for uh, things to talk about, and I am certainly looking forward to hearing from listeners, uh, hopefully from you, and hear what you think I should talk about, uh, hear what you think I should not talk about, and I'll take it all under advisement. I actually am more interested in talking about ideas um, and things that I actually do know something about. Uh, if you'd like to talk about healthcare, I would enjoy talking about healthcare, but I'd like for it to be uh, topics on healthcare, especially on anesthesia, that are requested by you, my listeners. So, with that, I'm going to wind it down for tonight and leave the Faraday cage, head up to the farmhouse and tuck my little girls into bed. Thank you for listening, and have a great day.